Welcome to Smart Healthcare Safety from ECRI Institute, where we have real conversations about real safety issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Paul Anderson. More than 5,000 members across all care settings rely on us as an independent, trusted authority to improve the safety, quality, and cost-effectiveness of patient care. You can learn more about our unique capabilities to improve outcomes at www.ecri.org. Today, we have a special episode produced in conjunction with the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety. Access to accurate, up-to-date drug allergy information is a vital component to effective, safe, and timely patient care. This information comes directly from patients and from information contained in the electronic health record. Recommendations available to improve drug allergy information have not been widely implemented. Technology can help. The partnership examined those recommendations and with the aid of a multi-stakeholder workgroup, identified how technology and clinical decision support could improve how drug and allergy information is dealt with. To get us started, I'll ask our two guests to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kim Blumenthal. I am an allergist, researcher, and quality and safety expert at Massachusetts General Hospital and Partners Healthcare in Boston. Good day, everyone. I'm Chris Mahalik. I'm a pharmacist and medication safety specialist at the Institute for Safe Medication Practices, where I also am administrative coordinator of the Medication Safety Officers Society. And Chris, I think we'll start with you, and maybe let's just lay some groundwork for the issues that we're talking about today. Why are drug allergy interactions an important safety issue? Yeah, good starting question, Paul. Adverse events due to drug allergy interactions continue to occur in healthcare despite our best use of clinical decision support. And access to up-to-date drug allergy information really is a vital component to safe and timely patient care. If you think about it, a patient's allergies and their associated reactions is really a fundamental piece of patient information. When it comes to medication therapy, it's really part of a complete medication history. And having accurate and a comprehensive documentation of drug allergies is really required in order for us to be able to use good clinical decision support for drug allergy screening. Dr. Blumenthal, that makes sense to me sort of as an entry point into the subject matter, but why do we find it to be so difficult to capture accurate drug allergy information? So part of this has to do with what the patients know and what the patients report. So not everyone remembers or recalls the reaction or the specific drug, the specific drug name or the drug class of something that they had a reaction to. And maybe the reaction itself was something told to them even by a parent rather than something they experienced. So the patient themselves might not always have a great deal of information about the drug allergy. Another problem is that a lot of different people have their hand in drug allergy entry into the electronic health record. And so there's no standardized sort of recommendations to this point really on how best to enter drug allergies. Do we enter everything the patient reports? How do we enter it? What are the best practices on allergy entry into the electronic health record? And then now, now that we've had electronic health records with allergy sections for a number of years, for decades, allergies are not improved upon once they're entered. They're carried forward from system to system. And although as a clinician, we're asked to review the allergies in the electronic health record system, what that usually means is pressing a button that says, I reviewed it, but it doesn't necessarily mean questioning the data and the reaction and the drug in order to verify it or improve upon it. 
And then lastly, I think one thing that we don't always do is remove allergies or inactivate allergies that are no longer relevant. So we did an analysis where we actually saw that most clinicians would rather override an allergy alert repeatedly for a drug, indicating that the patient tolerates that drug, but that they never remove the allergy. So we have a documentation problem in that the knowledge isn't great to begin with. We're documenting it in an inconsistent way, and then we're letting the allergies sort of pile up over time in a way that we're not ever addressing them to improve the quality of the data or remove allergies that no longer exist. So what are some of those key elements that we really have to identify when we're dealing with a patient's allergy? The first is that allergies can only be helpful if we know the allergen. So the allergen, whether it's a specific drug or a drug class or a food is entered in the electronic health record now as well, needs to be entered. And it needs to be entered in a coded form so that we can have decision support triggered. And the minimum useful information is to have an allergen and a reaction. And so there has to be at least two sort of pieces of information for that to be helpful to clinical care and to improve safety. The reaction type is also important. Reaction type is not easy for all people to know. And so that's like when I kind of get into who's documenting the allergies. It might be that the workflow doesn't have somebody who feels comfortable deciding what the reaction type is entering the allergies. But there's very different consequences if you have an allergy that is an immune-mediated reaction. These are things like hypersensitivity reactions, hives, rash, shortness of breath, anaphylaxis, angioedema. Those types of reactions are the reaction type allergy. And one thing that's really important when we have a reaction type allergy is that the patients don't receive that same drug and that the patients don't receive the similar drugs without certain precautions being taken. And so that's one type of reaction type that I think we should all be comfortable with. But there are other types of reaction types because our allergy module is only one in five might be an allergy or hypersensitivity. So the rest of the reaction types are non-immune mediated reactions. These are things like side effects that we see commonly from medicines that weren't like documentation and inclusion into the electronic health record but might not be as predictable or as severe as the allergies. So something like cough from an ACE inhibitor or a gastrointestinal upset from aspirin. But also it could be something that is substantial, like a GI bleed from aspirin. And so we have to be able to know that the reaction type isn't the rest of the story. There's also severity. And then there is also a contraindication uh, reaction type. And that might be something where we know a patient has a single kidney and cannot have NSAIDs in that setting, or a patient has known genetic intolerance or G6PD deficiency, for example. So being able to document the allergen, the reaction, and reaction type would go a long way to improving the documentation we have. And they're improving that documentation is what's critical to improve our allergy alerts. So documentation was one of the safe practices that was put forth in this toolkit that grew out of this multidisciplinary group of experts that you were a part of. And so let me read off this list of the conceptual, the practical recommendations for improving the drug allergy alerts. And then maybe once I do that, maybe if you could sort of provide a quick overview of what that work is, and then we'll really start to get into the details of it. So those items were improving the allergy documentation, patient engagement, some kind of alerting mechanism, hospital organizational policies and guidelines, and then continuous alert monitoring and improvement. Dr. Blumenthal, could you provide a high-level overview of what the uh, work group did? 
Absolutely. So the first was improving allergy documentation, which we did just touch on a bit. And so the idea behind this was that by improving the allergy information, we could improve alert accuracy. We recommended that a more detailed specification of the patient's allergy was entered at the time of the report of that allergy so that we can make sure that the alerts trigger when they matter most and that unnecessary alerts on sort of mild intolerances or previously tolerated medications, like I had explained, don't happen. And then the second recommendation you mentioned was patient engagement. And we touched on this a little bit also. So patients have to be part of this allergy reconciliation process. And that was key to maintaining meaningful allergy lists in our electronic health record. I think we're all very familiar with medication reconciliation. But the same practice needs to be for allergy reconciliation. It's a moving target with additions and subtractions rather than something that stays stagnant. So I think patient engagement in that process, helping the patient to own their allergies is a key recommendation. The third recommendation that you mentioned was a learning mechanism. And this recommendation was made because we concluded that the allergy alerting systems should consider the reaction severity as well as other contextual information before presenting alerts to clinicians. And so it might be a different alert that gets presented for a patient who has penicillin anaphylaxis history and you're going to prescribe a penicillin than if the patient had penicillin gastrointestinal upset and you're going to prescribe penicillin or even a cross-reactive drug, like maybe something like in the cephalosporin class. So we have to consider a lot of factors when presenting alerts so that we can make sure that the alerts are useful. The fourth recommendation you mentioned was hospital policies and guidelines. The recommendation uh, reason was that clear policies and guidelines for clinicians reduce the risks of liability associated with a more patient-centered allergy alerting system. So every hospital or in practice might take a, a different stance on how to sort of manage that liability differently because not all allergy entries sort of really need to be alerted in the face as an interruptive alert for clinicians, but this also carries with it some liability that needs to be managed. And then the fifth recommendation is continuous alert monitoring and improvement. And so this thought was very crucial that organizations should track allergy alerting and override rates over time, maybe even by drug class or by reaction, and to be able to find which alerts are just causing noise without improving patient safety and which alerts and what is the frequency of alerts that you would need to field to be able to prevent adverse drug reactions or adverse drug events. So, Chris, let's bring you back into the conversation here. These recommendations that Dr. Blumenthal just described formed the foundation of the workgroup's investigation, really looking at how technology could be used to improve safety. So maybe let's start with why it was important for the partnership to look for technology opportunities to implement the recommendations. Sure. So our current healthcare architecture is constructed upon electronic medical records. So it was very natural for us to look to those electronic systems to help support this work, you know, to help enhance safety. And technology is ingrained in the various phases of the medication use safety process. So for this partnership work group, we wanted to focus on technology's ability to improve, as Dr. Blumenthal so well framed for us, how we document allergies 
what the alerting mechanisms are for allergies, how we monitor those, and then pulling in the patient as well, how we can use technology to actually engage the patient in this process. Let's take a deeper look at those recommendations. And Chris, maybe if we start with documentation, we touched on a little bit, but maybe in a little bit more detail, what are some of the opportunities and challenges that we have with documentation? Well, I think, you know, we have to look at documentation in the frame that the better we're able to document, the better we're able to use that information to improve safety. And there are some current state challenges. We don't have any standardization, really, whether that's among electronic health records, among organizations, or even people within the organization may be doing this a little bit differently. Sometimes some of this data could be recorded in an electronic medical record as an unstructured data field so that we're not able to actually utilize, the technology is not able to utilize that. Also, we can have situations where there's fragmented documentation throughout the medical record. Different information may be available in different locations. So you might not have the full picture if you're only in one location. Certainly, we'd like to move towards one location as that record of truth, but our current state, we're not all there yet. And also coding for some of the terminology. So whether it's a mild, moderate, severe reaction or based on reaction is really needed in order for the technology then to trigger appropriate clinical decision support. Right now, that clinical decision support may be different, you know, depending on the system or depending on what information we have in the system. Sometimes alerts don't appear at the most efficient or effective time in the workflow or to the right person in the workflow. And just alerting or alerts in general for drug allergies can occur so frequently that sometimes providers may override them and become sort of immune to them. And then you find that there's a situation where they're overridden inappropriately. And unfortunately, that may result in some patient harm. And Dr. Blumenthal, I think a lot of folks who are not sort of deeply ingrained in the subject matter, when we hear clinical decision support, we make sort of a mental shorthand that that means, oh, that means alerts. But that's not quite right, is it? CDS is more than alerts, isn't it? Yes, it is. So it's CDS is everything that we have in our electronic health system. It includes allergy alerts, but it also includes reference information, order sets, recommendations. And allergy alerts are just a piece of this, and, but yet all of these things are sort of intended to protect our patients. Of course, to function, CDS alerts have to have the information available to compare sort of medications, ingredients, and drug classes. And those are the typical allergy alerts we think and we think of. And we, of course, don't want CDS to overfire, but only fire when it's needed. And so in order to sort of optimize our allergy alerts, we need sort of more comprehensive reference information and structured recommendations on how best to do that. We have a lot of information about allergy alerts, and certainly allergy alerts have increased over the past 15 years. The overrides have, so they're not being that useful. And so when they're not useful, what can happen, as was mentioned, is that the useful ones and that needed one gets overlooked because of alert fatigue. And so we need to make sure that drug allergy alerts, which can provide this valuable safety information, that their value improves and that we sort of think of CDS as more useful in the allergy field than we currently do. So Chris, what role can technology play in monitoring those alerts to try to address some of those concerns that Dr. Blumenthal just laid out? 
So certainly the goal of, of good decision support is that it, it offers the right information to the right person and hopefully in the most beneficial format at the right time in their workflow. And we really do need to have somebody that's looking over the effectiveness because that is going to be important to ensuring that decision support technology, those rights are applied accordingly. It's just beyond number of alerts firing. It's what is presented to the practitioner at what point in the workflow and is that the most advantageous method for affecting the right decision or informing for better decision making at that point in the process. One of the other areas of recommendation we talked about was patient engagement. So maybe if we could dive again a little bit deeper into that. Why is patient engagement important to improve patient safety? One of the things that I consider important about this sort of patient engagement, and I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, is that we now have a medical system where we have a bunch of different electronic health records. There might be a different one at your primary care doctor's. There might be a different one where you see the dermatologist, for example, or the dentist uses different records. And so we have many different systems with many different EHRs that don't always communicate with one another. We want the information to communicate, but we also don't want it to be inaccurate. And so one of the things that I find sort of most important in this situation is that the allergy information should also be conveyed and updated with the patient's best knowledge. And it really should be something that is fluid over a patient's lifetime with additions and deletions. And so patients owning their own allergies and having the electronic health record plus patient engagement knowing the truth of the drug allergy information is really important for safety reasons and to also ensure that the best drug for the condition is prescribed. So sometimes I've personally seen a drug not given because of fear of an allergy that was not a real allergy. And so there's both quality and safety aspects to prescribing in the face of a documented allergy that has to be considered. And what are some of the other types of adverse outcomes that we could have? So you talked about one just now in terms of maybe we're not prescribing the best drug for the situation. What are some other scenarios we could run into? I think there's risks in administering a medication to which a patient is allergic and then that potential harm if that reaction is severe. That's just an added level of harm on top of just the whole potential issue of giving somebody something to which they've stated they were allergic. There can also be, as we're trying to figure out, is it an allergy, is it an adverse reaction, is it something that they were told, as Dr. Blumenthal had previously mentioned, as if they were a child, they were told that they were allergic to a medication, but perhaps that's not exactly correct. All of these things may result in delays of treatment. We may make choices that may not be first-line choices for the patient as far as medications based on perhaps inaccurate information. It could also then sort of roll into increased care of costs. And then there could be some negative patient outcomes from all of that. You know, we've been approaching a lot of this from the perspective of the prescriber, right? They're the ones entering the order. But I have to believe that a pharmacist would really play an important role in identifying allergies and probably in documentation. So maybe, Chris, if you could talk a little bit about that. Pharmacists need a complete allergy history in order to be able to effectively assess medication appropriateness when they receive an order during that medication verification process or even in the outpatient setting where retail pharmacists are doing some proactive drug utilization review or a clinical review 
it's really important for them to have that information as well to know what their next steps are as far as assessing the appropriateness of that medication. Is this something that they need to maybe go back to the prescriber to discuss or the patient themselves to find out some more information? So yes, the pharmacist identifying drug allergies and utilizing that information in their assessment of a medication appropriateness is a very key role for a pharmacist. Dr. Blumenthal, obviously, you're in the role of the prescriber in real life, not just on a podcast. So maybe if you could compare those two roles a little bit, the role of the pharmacist as the one who's compared to the one who's you know, either prescribing or ordering the medications. Yes, it is different. And they're both such crucial roles. I remember the first page I got from a pharmacist in my training about a medication I ordered and I thought, Oh, wow, I've got a lot to learn. So, But the clinician's role is really to take an allergy history to document appropriately and then to prescribe with purpose. The allergy history isn't necessarily the allergy history that we are taught in our medical training where we look at what is listed there and confirm it with the patient. Instead, asking patient more open-ended questions about what they remember about the allergy and what the reaction was and where they were treated and how severe was it? Did they seek medical care? Do they remember what they were treated with? There are all these sort of facets of the reaction history that we're hoping to convey in the small little line called the allergy section of the electronic health record, and really it doesn't do it justice. So we need to make sure that at a minimum, systems can encourage and actually force that at a minimum, a an allergen and a reaction are put into the allergy module of the electronic health record. I know systems can also force extra things. So the reaction type we talked about could be a force function and necessary, as well as severity and other details. But the role is really to ensure that we have an accurate documentation of the allergy so that you and your colleagues are not getting unnecessary alerts. And then it is to maybe to identify alerts that might that you're getting in your practice that might need sort of system level evaluation. And so in our healthcare system, we've had very many like on the ground clinician examples of alerts that were not adding value in the allergy module. For example, if a patient's on a long-term medication, every time they're going to refill it in every three months or something like that, it was the same alert. And they're saying, well, this is a long-term medication. There has to be some technology way to solve this problem. And so it's really making sure the documentation's right, the prescribing's right, and then to bring system level things forward. I also think it's important to mention that we have the pharmacist perspective and the clinician provider perspective sort of covered here, but there are so many other stakeholders that we need to be engaged to be able to accomplish these goals and recommendations. For example, companies that make the decision in the references that the allergy alerts are built off of or the electronic health record companies that are building the allergy modules. Also, even within the healthcare team, nutritionists, medical assistants, and other personnel that need to be engaged to make this a really successful new system for allergy documentation and allergy alerting in this sort of new age. In the context of everything we've talked about, there were four specific safe practices that are recommended in the toolkit. And maybe we'll talk just in a little bit of detail about, I think we've sort of established the problem statements. Maybe if we can talk a little bit about some of the technology solutions that we've talked about. So Chris, let's first talk about the documentation issue. And we've covered a lot of ground in terms of some of the challenges that we have there. What are some of the specific recommendations we have in the toolkit regarding how technology can be used to improve documentation? We hope that technology can prompt users and practitioners to collect 
or reconcile a complete allergy history. And as Dr. Blumenthal said, it's more than really just checking a box. And we hope that that prompt for those essential components occurs at the time that somebody enters into the health system, regardless of where that is in the health system. And that's going to be really important for us in order to ensure that the system is able to take that information, use it to trigger support when it matters most and to avoid those unnecessary alerts that we talked about for things that might be mild intolerances or medications that might have been previously tolerated by the patient. And then secondly, we looked to the technology to help us to categorize and distinguish adverse drug reactions, side effects, toxicities, intolerances, idiosyncrasies, and then allergies based on that information that we're able to document. Essentially, we want the technology to help us collect the best, the right, the most complete information, and then take that and use that information to improve decision support. The next one, Dr. Blumenthal, gets into alerts, which again, we've talked about a decent amount, but maybe can you tell us a little bit from your experience as a physician how the strategies that are in the toolkit regarding alerts will help to improve patient safety? Well, one of the things we talked about was that we needed to have more contextual information on the back end to be able to improve our alerts. So the type of match between the allergen and the prescribed medication. So that means like a perfect match is allergy to aspirin being prescribed aspirin, for example. And then that's a different type of decision support alert than we would want than maybe an allergy to aspirin being prescribed something in an NSAID class, for example. So we have to think about the type of match and then we have to think about the reaction type and severity. And so that a different type of alert would be, you could fire even a different type of alert for something that was an exact match versus a cross-reactive potential. And then you could file different type of alerts for things that are minor, like fatigue or headache or nausea versus things that are severe, like renal failure, anaphylaxis. And so being able to have different, the contextual information was one of the most important things Another thing was that the alert format is important. And so the way that alerts look to us in the electronic health record could be improved and that we should be evaluating how the text is displayed and whether it makes sense and how it looks. And then we can think about how intrusive is that alert. There are alerts that are just educational alerts versus alerts that are interruptive. Then there are alerts that are interruptive that you can't get to go away even if you click a little box. And so we need to be able to tier the alerts so that the ones that are high likely to improve safety are ones that are interruptive and hard to get rid of versus ones that are unlikely to be that helpful could be more educational. And then the final safe practice around the alerting was that the information should be presented closer to the point of decision. And so that's really important because you want to guide the decisions. That's what clinical decision support is, right? We want to guide the decisions at the time that the decision matters. And so being able to do that is another really important thing. All right. As long as we're talking about alerts, the next recommendation gets into using technology to monitor the effectiveness of those alerts. And it really emphasizes that organizations should track their allergy alerting and the override rates over periods of time and then also to consider the appropriateness 
of those overrides. How will this monitoring help? I think that we should encourage healthcare systems to evaluate all of their alerts, right? What is the use of all of these alerts? But allergy is really sort of high risk area that we need to make sure that our alerting is doing its job. And so one of the ways is to evaluate alerts from a general drug class and to say, where are the most overrides happening? And so when we looked at this in the partnership work group, we saw that there were lots of that overrides were occurring, you know, for maybe for opioid medicines a lot or also for cephalosporins a lot. And so being able to say, well, why is that? And to dig down deeper and we'd be able to see whether these are alerts that are happening because it's not an exact match or it's a lot for itching or for GI upset and to be able to improve alerts and so that you could discontinue alerts that are not useful. And then on the flip side, we shouldn't really have alerts that are overridden for anaphylaxis or angioedema or renal failure or liver failure or a number of other severe types of adverse or allergic reactions unless there's reason for it. And so being able to make sure that there are still safeguards and that you're not able to just override without explanation reactions that might be severe. So, Chris, the other point that we've emphasized today a lot, separately from documentation and alerts, is the importance of including the patient. And the last safe practice in the toolkit really gets involved in using technology to help engage the patients in providing accurate drug allergy communication. So what is the patient's role and how can technology be used to help in that process? I'm picturing a conversation with my doctor where they just ask me or the medical assistant just asks me. So how can technology be used to help engage the patient? Yeah, sure. So we want to see organizations and vendors utilize, develop, and implement patient-facing technologies to gather and communicate that drug allergy information. And there are some examples of this out there in use today. We believe that the patient really needs to be an active partner and participant in their care. And we do have examples where involved patients and perhaps even their family members in some situations, have helped really prevent a medication error from reaching the patient. So we'd like to see through technology involving the patient and being able to share some of that information about their allergy status. And then, of course, the provider being able to see that information and being able to have a conversation with the patient to then clarify and further document We do believe an informed patient is one of the best safeguards against medication errors, and we wouldn't think our work group's plan complete without a component that focused on how to best involve the patient. Okay. Chris, Dr. Blumenthal, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. The Safe Practice recommendations are available from the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety on the ECRI Institute website at ecri.org slash HITSafety or you can find a link in the show notes. You'll also find there the partnership's past recommendations and toolkits on topics like patient identification, the safe use of copy and paste, and most recently, closing the loop on diagnostic tests. We'll also include in the show notes a link to ISMP's July 2019 article on the recommendations as well. You can subscribe to Smart Healthcare Safety on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Visit ecri.org slash podcasts for more information or to leave your feedback. And you can email us at ecri-podcasts at ecri.org.